fear. So this 31-year-old girl, you know, she, she was doing well, but she started uh, going backwards and got a hold of some fentanyl pills and took her life. And so her mom called the doctor to say, hey, she won't be, she won't be visiting anymore. I mean, did you know that that's what's going on in, in your world, in our world today? I heard from another doctor that um, the family had a family member who was having chemo. And so he went home, and again, the same thing. You can't go to the hospital because all of a sudden, you can't go to the hospital. All of a sudden, you can't be with your own family. If your family's dying, they've taken away that right already. I don't know if you realize, I don't know how many people realize what's going on, not just in our nation, but in the world. Uh, so uh, the individual gets home, and, um, you know, he's not feeling well. You know, they, they're not going to the hospital. Finally, when they decide to go to the hospital after many days, the doctor examines him and realizes he's septic. You know, there's nothing happening here. You know, they call the family members. The family members were able to come. Uh, thank God for a doctor that took a stand because they told him, no, you can't do that. He says, I want the family here. And so this man dies, and, um, and the doctor, again, he's just saying, what's going on? I saw something else about this uh, American Frontline Doctors, which uh, they allegedly say that uh, the COVID-19 is just an extension of something that uh, earlier came on also from China known as SARS. Uh, and, and SARS, it was uh, studied and examined. This is what I understand, you know, and I'm no doctor, you know, I'm, I'm not an attorney, I'm... I'm barely just a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, but I, I'm just sharing with you some of the things that I found out this last week, that it was discovered that there was this medication that helped dealing with that SARS, uh, known as hydroxychloroquine. And uh, again, my understanding is that there's a doctor that was in front of that study whose name, uh, you might have heard him, Fossey. I mean, it's, he might not be too, too well known today, but... There's paperwork where he said that this medication helps deal with this corona-type virus. So, so I'm, I'm reading this, and again, we're going to dive into the scriptures. There's, there's answers in God's word today. I hope you see that. There's no way that I could have designed a plan to be in Mark 15 today where you have the religious leaders, where you have the political leaders, where you have... Uh, the crowds, or you have people taking a knee. I mean, got all of this right here in this chapter today, and that's where we're at. But I think that unless I start this way, I wonder if, if hopefully not you, but, but if there's people that will go today into a building under the name of church and God and religion and yet be kind of like a schizophrenic type of personality where your hour or two hours in church have really nothing to do with the world that you live in, and then the things that you get at church do not enable you to make rational, practical, wise, necessary decisions that wherever you are here today or watching by computer, you're going to have to make them. You could prolong it. But it's inevitable. We're going to have to make some decisions. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 15, if I needed one word to, this, to, to 
in a sense, describe this chapter as a chapter of decision. And so I see what's going on, and then these American frontline doctors, they're stating, hey, there's, there's a, a way to handle this COVID. You know, you take hydroxychloroquine, you know, 200 milligrams twice a, a week. You take uh, uh, zinc. You take this other Sircar or something. Again, there's people that are good in this, in this field. I, I'm not, but, but that there's a way to deal with this. Now, again, just to think with you, could that be true? Could that not be true? Well, if it is true, then what in the world is going on? Now, there's a lot of people that would say, no, it's not true, Pastor Ras. Come on. You, you, you're, and that's what they do. A lot of times when you talk this, right away they say, you're a trumper. <laughs> this is the first time I even mentioned that. What, what, is, what does Trump have to do with anything that I'm talking about so far? See, what I'm talking about so far is that if, if this is not true, then, then there's no problem. Keep the mask, stay at home, let's lock it down. Nobody goes to the hospital. Pretty soon they'll tell you you can't go to church. They'll tell, they'll tell you where you could do your groceries. They'll be telling you what you could say. Because here's what I've discovered, that a lot of these things that went on public media, well, it's been taken down. So I see kind of like a little control there that I didn't see before. Now, they tell you why they're taking it down. They say they're taking it down because it's false information. When I came to this nation, uh, the citizens were enabled to decide what they would consider true or false information. The, the government didn't take that right away from you. You have a brain. You have a, you have a, a soul. You have a spirit. And if you hear this morning, you have the Lord that should be able to tell you if something is true or something is false. God is the one that should be helping you with that not a dictating from the government. At least in this experiment called the democracy of the United States of America, up until, I don't know if today, but at least somewhere along in our history, that's the way that it was. Now, now stick with me on this. Now, now thanks be to God, I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I am a knife and I am in the drawer. I know that. I'm not Einstein. I'm, I'm not brilliant. A lot of times, maybe some people right now would be maybe upset at, at the way that I'm starting this teaching. Well, pray for me. Don't get upset at me. Pray for me. And as you're praying for me, pray for yourself also. Should I be having this conversation? Should I not be having this conversation with you? Are you, are you part of the flock that I'm going to have to give an account for one day before the Lord? So should I be having this conversation? Should I not be having this conversation? I could tell you off the, off the start, if I want to be liked, which I do, I wouldn't have this conversation. I told you I'm not the sharpest knife, but I am a knife, and I am in the drawer. So I know this much, that there's people here that, that you think politically one way, you think politically another way, you think to the left, you think to the right, you think red, you think blue. Listen, that's not the conversation right now. The conversation right now is, should you, should I, as individuals, make decisions on our own? Now, they took this thing down. They said it wasn't true. And, and um, they, taking it down, but then they've, they've gone against these doctors. One of them got fired. Right away, got fired from their job. And then I'm thinking, they did a study with this hydroxychloroquine, and in that study, they administered a high dosage. It was something like 2,000 milligrams or something. Listen, if you take 2,000 milligrams of Chick-fil-A, you might have a problem in that study. Why would they start with that high dosage? Why didn't they start with a dosage which is comparable to the way that they've used that medication, which when I went to Haiti several years ago, they, 
they FDA approved, 65 years has been approved, and they gave me this hydroxychloroquine to take against malaria. So if they gave me that dosage and they're trying to do a study, why would they take this high dosage to say the medication is bad, it's proved toxic? But it's interesting that then they took back that study. Now, why am I talking to you like this? Because you got to listen to me. If there's something going on here, and since March, April, May, June, July, my goodness, we're in August, and there's something here that's hidden, there's something here that's being played by power brokers and people in charge, well, what's going on? And if something's going on, what are you going to do? In the front. Well, nobody's here. Nobody. What are you? I'm, I'm talking for the people that come into 11 o'clock service. I'm practicing. What are you going to do? Are you going to pray? N not, not the rest of you. I'm just talking to the people here in the front. Oh, you're not going to do nothing. It's almost like if you weren't here. Oh. Oh. I, like almost like if you weren't here. I saw a picture of a plane filled with passengers. They all have their mask on. And then I saw a picture of a church, and it was totally empty because they're saying you can't go to church. But I could be on a plane, which is close, is, is, is less space. I could be on a plane because, again, the authorities said I could. But I can't go to church because the authorities say I can't. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Well, obviously you're here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You're brave. The question is, this week some decisions come down. Do you seek the Lord? Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know the voice of the Lord? Are you religious or do you have a relationship with the living, risen King, Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ? The reality is it might be too late. The reality is there's really nothing civically, politically, that anyone can do to stop the movement, which the Bible prophesies as being known as the spirit that is against Christ, which is the Antichrist, which is a spirit that will be growing and become prevalent. And that spirit would want to shut down and close and censor and hold back anything that has to do with the freedom that God gives people to seek the living Lord. Because that spirit wants you to have one world economy, one world 
government. What's the missing element? A one world religion. And that's the movement that's going on in your watch and in my watch. And I believe that with all my heart, Mark chapter 15, God can speak to us, can speak to me, can speak to you. If here this morning, you and me and we want to really align ourselves with the living God, with the spirit of Jesus. Father, I pray for everyone that's here this morning, Lord, speak to us, continue to lead us today. We come not for a tradition, even though there is tradition in what we do. We, we come here for a practice, uh, but we want spontaneity. We want your spirit. We want you. We, we pray for Dr. Gold. We pray for these uh, American frontline doctors that have put everything on the line for patience, for freedom, for health, for people not to have to die needlessly. They've, they've taken a stand. They've, they've come into the front line. Father, I pray that we here within the sound of your voice, we would not shirk back or shrink back when our opportunity comes to take a stand for you because it will come. It's not a question of if, it's just a matter of when. Lord, help me not to shy back. Help my brothers and sisters here not to shy back. Remind us that the kingdom is not of this world, that is not Democrat or Republican, is not even the United Nations or states or the world. We, we are from your kingdom. And so, Lord, give us ears that hear today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Almost ready to dive in. You got to be praying for me. Uh, but the one thing I started and I still want to do is give you an opportunity, anybody here that would want to maybe pray with me for anybody that's watching that's going through depression, going through anxiety, anybody that's watching that maybe they have COVID-19, anybody watching that has lost a loved one, a family member because of COVID-19, um, Anybody here that's maybe, if you're going to be frank, you would say, man, I'm fearful. I got phobia of catching this thing. I, I think if I catch this thing, which 98% of people that get it are going to do fine. It's only if you're within that risk group, um, you know, diabetes, overweight, um, um, drugs. I believe in a more lifestyle. Or something simple like aging, like me, 66 years old. Uh, one of the pastors that I love dearly, uh, I saw his thing on Facebook. He, he contracted COVID-19, lives out in the boondocks country. I know of another person who's a doctor. He's been wearing the mask, the gloves, hygiene, super on it. He contracted it. This thing, there's no rhyme or reason. You, you could get it, I don't know where, you know. But uh, praise God. You can also get Jesus. <laughs> and if you get Jesus and Jesus has you, uh, it could be COVID, it could be cancer, it could be an automobile accident, aneurysm, heart attack, lack of breath. It could be anything that, in a sense, causes this body to die. But you see, Jesus got me already. So I don't have to fear. I know that Jesus is here. 
and I will not, you will not be forsaken or abandoned. But what I wanted to do was ask any of you here today that you want to pray with me for those people that need a touch of the Lord right now. No emotion. Don't do it because somebody else does it. But if, and, and nobody might do it, you know, except Ivan. Ivan's standing up, but he's an usher, so I don't know if he's answering my call or not. But I would say what came in my heart is maybe those of you that want to pray that you would stand to your feet right now and, and we would pray together, you know, at least James is up. Just pray for those that, man, they need a touch of Jesus. This is no joke. This is, uh, this is tragic for them. They are in fear. They're in anxiety. They're in depression. And the avenues they had are now closed, you know. Um, they've closed everything down so people don't get COVID. But I spoke to this other psychiatrist, or I heard his presentation before COVID. The phone calls that were coming in in suicide hotline, there were 20 calls. After this COVID thing, it's gone up to 1,000, like 200 calls that they're getting on this. Suicide is up. Alcoholism is up. Drug addiction is up. Abuse is up. Uh, child molestation is up, all these things. So we've locked this against this COVID, which I think is, is kind of like a cold that can kill you, which the flu does kill you. So we've shut everything down because of this, and then we've opened up all that's happening in the society, and I don't know who's listening. I don't know if anybody cares. I, I don't know if the Christians, if we're praying, Lord, bind Satan. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke Satan. Lord, Lord, we cry out for your mercy, for your intervention, Lord. If Nancy Pelosi could be reached by your spirit, Lord, reach her. Or, Lord, deal with her. Are we praying? Are you praying? Thank you for standing. Those of you standing, let's pray. Father, we stand right now, Lord, and, and we ask you. The first thing we want to ask you, Lord, is that our prayer life, my prayer life, Lord, it would increase. Now, Lord, I would learn this week uh, a new depth of praying, of crying out to you, Lord, for, for parents that because of this COVID, they've, they've lost their son, their daughter, or the children that have lost their parents, Lord. And it doesn't make any sense, Lord. If there's a medication that can deal with this, why are we locked down? Why are we in the condition we're in? Is it because they do want to bring a vaccination? Is it because they do want to control? I don't know, Lord. And frankly, in a sense, it's up to you. I, I really, it's beyond me. And in a sense, I, I don't care to that degree. But what I do care about, Lord, is am I praying the way that I should? And, Lord, I would ask you this morning with my brothers and sisters here that you would forgive us. You would forgive me. If my prayer life, Lord, because my prayer life is not all that it can be, Lord. God, that we would come to you and sincerity and transparency and honesty because that's the only way we're going to get forth and forward lord if we keep hypocrisy going it's going to be a, a, a game so lord forgive me and anyone here that would would a, 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 a acknowledge my prayer life is now where it needs to be lord forgive us God, we pray, would you, would you help us, Lord? Would you help us to go there? And not necessarily by tragedy or travesty, but would you help us to go there simply because you're calling us to pray and we're heeding your voice. We're sensing in our heart when you say, shut it off and bow your knees. Walk away and seek me. Go to your room. Go inside your closet. Go in your car. Go someplace privately. No, leave the dog behind right now and just focus on me. Leave the phone, leave the tablet. Lord, help us, help me, Lord, to hear your spirit when you're doing that.
that maybe, just maybe next Sunday we, we see the response, what can happen when we really do that. And now, Lord, we do pray. We do pray for the hurting. We do pray for the broken. We do pray for those that are scared. We pray for those that are sick, Lord, those in our own church family, Lord, that right now they're thinking, do I have it? Do I not have it? For pastors, Lord, pastors, I pray for, Lord, help them as now they're going to be away from their flock. They can't teach, and I have a little idea where pastors wired. They're, they're feeling so bad now, Lord. Minister to them. Heal them quickly. And, Lord, this whole thing of the World Health Organization and this whole thing that's going on, Lord, God, today, right now, we just call on you and we say, Lord, deal with it, God. As you deal with it, Lord, deal with your church, deal with your remnant, deal with the people in Calvary Chapel, Miami, deal with the leadership, the SOMers, Lord, the wives, and Father, deal with me. May we seek you while you may be found. And Father, prepare your church that it looks like we're going to go in through some suffering, Lord. We're going to be persecuted like we have no idea. Lord, help us this morning to prepare that, yes, the rapture is coming, and it could come at any time. But may we be counted worthy to walk through whatever we're going to walk through in a way that it would honor you and we would not deny Jesus. So, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I, I'm praying for a friend of mine, Tatiana. Um, she needs a touch from the Lord. I'm praying for another individual I know I haven't seen in a while, Christian, battling with addiction. I'm praying for every law enforcement, every firefighter, um, every EMT, every trauma worker. We're, we're praying for them. Listen, whoever you are here this morning, don't get too comfortable in your world. Because your comfortable world, I think, is about to change. Ask God to give you his heart that you would cry and your heart would be broken for what God's heart is broken and for what God weeps over. He looked over Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I tried to gather you and you wouldn't have it. And in my humble opinion, it seems to me that the United States would put up with anything and welcome anything and accept anything. But they just don't want Jesus. And Jesus weeps because of what may come on the United States of America. Having said that, let's dive into Mark chapter 15. And we left off where Peter denied Jesus. They came, they arrested Jesus during the night. They've been giving Jesus a mockery of a trial. And now we pick up in verse 1, chapter 15, that tells us immediately in the morning, the chief priests, they held a consultation with the elders and with the scribes and the whole council, all these uh, religious leaders got together. These are the power brokers of the time. These are the who, who. These are the guys that can order masks to be worn or masks not to be worn in the synagogue. These are the power brokers of the time. And so they came together. 
They had a powwow. Someone called it a teepee, but I know it was, it was a misunderstanding. They had a meeting, and they made a decision. We're going cruci- to get Jesus. They had made that decision long ago. They found Jesus guilty religiously, but they cannot do in their power what they want to do. They want to see Jesus killed. They want to see Jesus crucified. They want to see Jesus obliterated. They want to see Jesus destroyed. Careful when this bitterness gets into you. It's a, it's a, it's a harmful thing in our society, the things that, that happen when, when they're just, we just want this guy. We want, you know, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? But that's what they did here. Sounds familiar? Maybe, maybe not. But let's keep reading here. They bound Jesus, they led him away, and then they delivered him to Pilate. Who's Pilate? Anybody interactive here? Who's Pilate? Political leader. So we see the religious power brokers. Now we're going to see the political power brokers. Every society, every age and season has got these power players, you know. And so now they come to Pilate, you know, and they ask Pilate. Uh, as they bring Jesus to Pilate, Pilate asked him, verse 2, then Pilate asked him, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And so Jesus answered him. And what did Jesus say? It is as you say. In modern day vernacular, you know, like David would ask me, uh, hey, is Jesus the king of the Jews? And then Jesus would say, you said it, man, right on, you know, you know, that kind of deal, (laughs) you know, that's what Jesus is doing here to Pilate. And you got to love it. You got to love it because, man, Pilate, you know how many people he had interrogated? It's like you take a law enforcement officer here that's been a law enforcement any amount of time. He knows the criminal mentality. He knows the way they think. He knows the way they act. He knows the con. He knows it. He can smell it. He, he's, she, they, they've done it, right? So here Pilate, he's done that, and he comes across Jesus who's being presented to him as a criminal. But as he's dealing with Jesus, he realizes, I know criminals. This guy ain't no criminal. Are you the king of the Jews? I don't know if Jesus smiled at him. I don't know if Jesus just looked at him and said, you said it. In the back, come a little bit closer. He's been beaten already. He's been punched. Uh, He's been brutalized. Maybe there's swelling. Maybe there's contusions. Maybe there's black and blues. I got a funny feeling. I got a funny feeling that when he says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus didn't say, yeah, yeah. You, you say. I, I think Jesus is just so balanced, so calm, like some of you guys I've seen with pain, with stitches, you know, beat up, and you're joking, you know. <laughs> you, it's supernatural. Where do you think you got that from? It's Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus. I hope you're with me here as we read through this. Isn't, isn't this amazing? Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, It is as you say. Verse 3, And the chief priests, they accused him of many things, but now he answers nothing. And then Pilate asked them again, saying, You don't answer nothing? Don't you see the many things that they're testifying against you? I love this. Are you with me, verse 5? But Jesus still answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. That word marvel, if you circle it, you want to know in the original language what it means. It means he wondered. He, it mean, it's a word that means admired. You want to write down Isaiah 53, verse 7. I'm rushing with time. But it said that Jesus, like a sheep, went be, be, before the shearers, and he did not open his mouth. 
Hey, this is an amazing thing. See, they arrested Jesus. They, they, the power brokers seem to have a, the play on Jesus. But he's coming across like he's in total control. Silence. Pray for me. I, I, got, I got to cut this short. But don't, don't misunderstand silence for indifference, inactivity, apathy, or weakness. Jesus' silence is this kind of silence that I pray to have more of that. And don't you see it, how applicable Mark 15 is for me, for you, for us today. I don't know what you're going to go through, but man, the silence that God gives you when you know that God is in control and you're yielded and surrendered and submitted to his control, you don't have to explode, get upset, you know, make a pose. Tranquilito. Tranquil, calladito, silence. Every husband here, how many of your husbands here? You get practice of that every day, <laughs> don't we? Wives, how many of you wives are here? Wives, you get practice on that every day too. Your marriage is a training ground. For some of you, you've been promoted. Some of you, you're in boot camp. Some of you, you're about to go into boot camp. Get ready. But Jesus here, silence. He only speaks when he needs to. Not because he's threatened, not because he's attacked. He's quiet. And, and, and Pilate marveled. He wondered. He admired it. Moving on, verse 15, chapter 6. Uh, verse, <laughs> that was a moment. Chapter 15, verse 6. Now, at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whom every, whoever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Another word is insurrectionists. These are the type of guys that are in Oregon and Portland. They're all over the place. I slip on words there. But I hope you see how applicable the word of God is. Insurrectionists. By the way, these are guys that... Uh, Rome didn't like them, but the Jews liked them because these are guys that they're going to do in their carnal strength what only God can do through the power of his Holy Spirit and his spoken word. That's the only thing that can change human beings from the inside out, ultimately, at the end of the day. So here, that's who, well, this is who Barabbas is. I don't know. In, in, in modern day time, maybe I shouldn't go there. It might be more medicine than people can bear. But let the Holy Spirit help you make the connections. They had committed murder in rebellion. Verse 8, moving on. Then the multitude, crying out, they began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But now Pilate answered them and said... Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed Jesus over because of what? What's the last word there? Envy. If you're taking notes, I circled that word. Let me give you what that word means. Jealousy in the original language, envy. Pilate knew, man, they're just handing Jesus up. They want Jesus killed because they're jealous of Jesus. It's a word that means spite. They had spite. It's a word that means ruin, corrupt, destroy. 
Pilate, because he does what he does, and he's been doing it for a while, he's looking at these people, he's looking at Jesus, and he's able to connect the dots, and he's able to make the proper examination and come up with the proper, uh, if you would, um, evaluation, which, which is what? You guys, you're ruined. You're corrupt. You, you have a destructive attitude where you're not analyzing you guys, you power brokers from a religious perspective, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I'm a, from a political perspective, I, I have power. Pilate has power. But he's looking at Jesus, and, he, and he, he, he comes up with the sum. You guys are envious. Verse 11. But the chief priests, they stirred up the crowds. It's funny how people in our lifetime and throughout all of civilization they know how to manipulate. They know how to stir up the crowds. They know how to fudge the numbers. They know how to come up with the right results that they want for their game. Can I ask you this as a favor? Can I step to the side here and say, next time you vote, would you please remember that? Okay, I did that. Let me get back here now. How there's people that they know how to play the game. And we as believers, we should look through that and realize that when you Make a decision and you vote. You're not electing the next pastor. You're electing someone to run his position and his office. And sometimes we, we got to make the best decision possible. But look at the kind of people that use the crowds for their purpose, which is at the end of the day, they just want, I got to look to your eyes as I say this, they just wanted to stop anything that had to do with Jesus. Anything that had to do with his word, anything that had to do with his church, anything that had to do with the freedom Jesus gave you, these people in religious position, in the case of Pilate, in a political position, that, that's their agenda. Either knowingly or by default because they rather please the crowds than they would please God. Let's keep reading. Maybe I'm saying too much. Maybe I'm not saying enough. You, the Holy Spirit, will decide but moving on here verse 11 they stirred up the crowds so that they should rather release barabbas to them and now verse 12 pilate answered and said to them again what then do you want me to do with jesus what do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews. This is the key question here in this whole chapter, I believe. I look to your eye, and I want you to see that the title today is Decision. Decision. You see, the religious leaders, they made a decision. They're going to reject Jesus. Now, here we are with the political leader, and he's about to make a decision, but I already know his decision is going to go bad. Why? Because he's making his decision based on what the crowds want. You see that there? Aren't you glad that doesn't happen today? <laughs> okay, back to this now. He's making his decision based on the crowds. Man, they might. What are they going to do? Not if it's right or wrong. Not if it's fair or not fair. Not if it's true or not true. And not if it makes sense or doesn't make sense. And definitely not if it's constructive or destructive. Let's not look at that. Let's just look at the crowd. There's a lot of them, and they got some power behind them. So, listen, just what do you want me to do? Now, the problem with 
with Pilate is that Pilate had been the kind of politician that he had done things in his own strength. He had created a lot of problems for Rome. There was a lot of riots that had been caused there in his area. And one more riot, he would have been out of a job. He would have gone before maybe the emperor, and he would have been done. So now because of wrong decisions, he doesn't make the right decision. We could stop right there. That There's so much value in that. Listen, when you make a wrong decision, wrong decision, wrong decision, wrong decision, sometimes you'll come to that point where you need to make a decision. You could turn it around. There can be a new happening in your life. And this, by the way, another sidetrack that I give you, that's the problem with making wrong decisions. That's the problem with thinking, ah, this doesn't matter. Ah, this doesn't care. No, you're, you're exercising the same way you exercise a muscle, the same way you exercise your body. When you make wrong decisions, you're exercising yourself in wrong decisions. And when you're going to make that lifetime decision of what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? I hope this morning, would you pray, those of you that are praying here, that everybody in this auditorium right now, pray for, for each other, Lord. Help us to make the right decision when it has to do with Jesus Christ. Pilate, he's in power. You think he's making a decision over Jesus, and yet you're going to see through the rest of this chapter, through the rest of history of civilization, that that decision that Pilate made, it was really against Pilate. He thought he was judging Jesus, but in his decision, he was getting to a point that Jesus would one day judge him if he hasn't repented. Keep reading with me. This is amazing. What then do you want me to do with him? The one that you call the king of the Jews. Verse 13, so they cried out and they said, crucify him. And then Pilate said to them, but why? What evil has he done? But they cried out, the more crucify him. It's a funny thing how crowds and mobs are. They don't give you no break. What they want, they want. And even if you give in a little bit and you don't give them all they want, man, they'll send you the bill. <clears throat> and they'll be brutal. Woe to the person that tries to appease crowds and mobs and terrorists and criminals. Take your stand. Go down with dignity. Because if you, if you acquiesce to them, they'll clean your clock out. You'll never give them enough. Don't charge that to the teaching. But, and if you have a different opinion, man, uh, COVID or no COVID, I'll, I'll talk to you here and, and after the service. But look at History. Look at nations. Let's move on. See, here was the problem, verse 15. Pilate was wanting to gratify the crowd. So he released to them Barabbas. He delivered Jesus after he scourged him to be crucified. Look to your eyes real quickly. 39 lashes across Jesus' back. A whip that's not like the whips we know. It's a whip that at the end it has several other, if you would, strands of leather to which they tie stones, glass, sharp objects. So when the person doing the scourging lays the, the scourge, the, the, the whip across the person's back and he pulls it back, it would be painful and it would rip out the meat. Some scholars and and and. and and historians say, they write that sometimes when you would go under this process, your organs would be exposed if the person that was doing the scourging would do it properly and would do it right. 
Why scourging is a good question. Do you know why Pilate delivers Jesus to be scourged? It was a Roman practice that when you were sentenced to be crucified, well, they wanted to make sure that you were guilty. So in that process of scourging 39 times, when they laid the first one across your back, if there was any sin that you would confess, any fault, any crime, if you kept confessing, then they would take it a little bit easier on you. So now I stop with you this morning, and I think with you, they're scourging Jesus 39 times who never did anything wrong. And so if they got the best scourger to scourge Jesus, he's trying to get Jesus to confess, and he's laying those cats, you know, that, that whip over Jesus' back. But Jesus, he stays silent because he never sinned. He never knew no sin. It tells us here as we go back to Mark chapter 15 that Pilate made such a wrong decision. He wanted to gratify the crowd instead of gratifying truth and God and Jesus. And so he delivered Jesus to be scourged, and then he sent them on the way to crucifixion. Then the soldiers, verse 16, led him away into the cold praetorium. This is uh, another way of saying the uh, if you would, that, that government area where they would make determinations and decisions, uh, the praetorium. Um, I want to make sure I give you that uh, properly. It's um, uh, the, if you would, as I put it here, the official residence uh, there of the governor and the place uh, where uh, they would, try and in a sense work with the criminals but moving on again because of time we see here that the whole garrison this is the soldiers this is another way of saying those that were in charge of upholding the law in that time i would compare this to law enforcement of the time so you have the religious power brokers, you have the political power brokers, you have the crowds, which are, in a sense, a power broker. You have law enforcement here, power brokers, and they also have to make a decision. And how do they deal with this? Verse 17, they clothed him with purple, they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, they began to salute him, to hail him as king of the Jews, they struck him on the head um, with reeds, they spat upon him, they uh, bowed the knee, right, bowing the knee, and now I like to see that here because it shows me the spirit behind what these people are doing, and a lot of times you see the spirit, you see the action, and the enemy, so often he's a copycat because he's uh, the father of lies. He deals by, what's the word, illusions. He's not creative. Um, just want to look to your eyes and, and see if anybody's very mad at me right now. But I think you guys are still doing good, amazingly. Uh, but man, the scripture's so good. Scripture's so good. There's nothing new under the sun. Are you analyzing what's going on? Do you examine what's going on? Do you make proper choices? Are you being taken by the crowds, by the thoughts of today that appear to be very noble, very good? But the spirit behind them is the same spirit here where these guys were bowing the knee, resisting, mocking, rejecting. One other comment I want to make here, which I think is very interesting. 
If they're in front of Jesus. The Bible says and teaches that in Jesus, everything holds together. These guys are resisting the one that's helping them be held together to mock him. And aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? I'm glad you're not Jesus either. Because if someone keeps mocking you and coming at you, your response might be totally different. But what does Jesus do? Verse 20, it says that after they mocked him, they took the purple off him, his own clothes. That's what they put back on him. And now they led him away to crucify him. Because of time, I won't read word by word, verse by verse. You could do that at home, but they got this man to carry the cross because Jesus physically, he's just so wiped out. Uh, I look to your eyes as I say this. They made this drink to give to Jesus. It was uh, anesthesia. It was to numb the pain. But Jesus refused to drink it because Jesus was going to bear the full brunt of your sin and my sin. He was going to take the full pain of the torture, the punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. And Jesus loved you and me so much that he was going to take it full on. He resisted that. It tells us here between verses 24 that he was crucified. They're gambling for his garments. Isaiah 53 prophesied that. They killed him by crucifixion. David in Psalm 22 prophesied that that's the way that Jesus would die. Verse 27, they crucified with him robbers, one on his right, one on his left. Isaiah 53 had prophesied that. And now it tells us in verse 30, I want to read that with you, that they were mocking Jesus and they were saying, hey, save yourself, come down from the cross. They're inciting Jesus, take matters into your own hands, come down, save yourself, you know, um, come down from the cross. Verse 32, let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, the temptation. Jesus, take the way out. Don't stay with the suffering. Don't go through the whole process. Take the shortcut. That was the temptation that Satan gave to Jesus. That's the temptation that Satan is going to give you and me. Take the shortcut. Give in. Give up. Don't continue. It tells us in verse 35 that some that stood um, by when they heard what Jesus said, the point comes at the sixth hour, verse 33, darkness comes all over the land from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting from Psalm 22, right? My God, my God, Jesus, because of sin. The Bible says that sin makes separation between us and God. And Jesus took the sin of the world upon him, the sin of the rapist, the sin of the murderer, the sin, all this. He never sinned, but for the first time, Jesus takes on the sin, your sin, my sin. Jesus takes it upon himself. And because sin separates us between God and sin is a separation. For the first time, Jesus felt a distance from God. And he says, man, Father, God, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, I feel so abandoned right now. 
just going to call out on Ariel because we're brothers, man. Pray that everyone will get this. Pray that you would get this. I saved the most needed for last. Pray that I would get this. That Jesus went through abandonment. Listen, listen here carefully. As one that has had his bouts with depression and anxiety. Bouts. Not, not intense, praise God. And maybe mine was more intense. But that's not the point. That Jesus experienced that loneliness and separation. So that when I accept Jesus, even though in my mind I might suffer that, in my heart, that's where the character, that's where the growth, that's where the development comes in because that's where I have to just cry out, Jesus, you say you will never leave me. You say you will never forsake me. Jesus, I believe in your word. Jesus, I'm standing on your word. I pray for this church. I pray, Lord, would you let the angels be around this place that when people come here, even if they come with COVID, Jesus, would you heal them, Lord? Would you touch them, Lord? Somebody here get COVID? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the road that God will have us to travel. I don't know. Will I get COVID here in this place as I pray with someone? I don't know. But I tell you, when I'm standing here, I put my mask to respect everyone that wears a mask, you know. And if you don't wear a mask, I, I don't wear a mask. You know your pastor, um, retired pastor. You know him, you know, germaphobe. And, but in Jesus, I had to go beyond myself. I'm either going to stay in where I'm comfortable, where I reside, and, or Lord, you're, you're calling me to something new. What's the point I'm trying to make? Here's the point. Jesus went through things. So that now, as Jesus is in me, I can go through things. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's why I love him. That's why I'm here. I pray that you would understand that. Jesus died on the cross for you for a reason and a purpose. So I have a choice here now. I either stop and save this for next week or I exercise my second choice, which is show you that verse 30, verse 31, verse 32, they wanted Jesus to come down and save himself, but Jesus stayed on the cross to save you. Verse 37 tells us Jesus cried out in a loud voice and he dies. The other gospel writers told us that Jesus' last words were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He had said, it is finished. He had said, it is done. And after he said, it is finished, he said, Father, his last words. He had said, why have you forsaken me? But now he says, Father, we're back connected again. Paid the price. He died for the sins. The shedding of his blood was greater than the hold that Satan and the demons would have on anybody. And Jesus shows us when he says, It's done, it's finished. Teletestai is paid in full. Joey, Raz, you know, uh, Melissa, you know, we, we have access to Jesus. You have access to Jesus now when you accept. His sin-atoning 
sacrifice, when you accept the shedding of his blood as being sufficient and you surrender to Jesus, you might go through stuff. Some go through diabetes. Some go through lung issues. Some go through heart conditions. You, you go through stuff. Some go through marriages. Some go through COVID-19. You, you go through stuff. But that's just the point. You go through it. It doesn't have to defeat you. It doesn't have to destroy you. Because now you belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to you. Pastor, that sounds very philosophical. That sounds very good. But how do I know that? Verse 38, verse 38, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. They say this veil was 16 inches thick. It was a veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The holy of holies, the most holiest priest, once a year only, he would come in and Jom Kippur, he would come in into the holies of holies. He would have a thread kind of uh, holding onto his tunic in case he died there because he, there was some unconfessed sin. You know, to come into the presence of a holy God, you, you just can't take that for granted, you know that. He's holy. The only way that I can come into the presence of a holy God, you, the only way that we could pray, the only reason we could, we could just say, God, I pray, the only reason is because Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient. And so the thing that separated people from the presence of God, that representation, when Jesus dies, it's broken, meaning now you can come into the presence of God in faith in Jesus Christ, through surrender to Jesus Christ. Now you can come in black, white, Cuban, Chinese, American, smart, genius, very smart, or me. <laughs> we can all come into the presence of Jesus now. No prejudice in the throne of the Lord. No discrimination in the spirit of Jesus so if Jesus is in you and there's discrimination in you, you better check it out because they'll choke Jesus out or Jesus will choke out discrimination. It's the, only, it's the only healing when Jesus' life matters. Then every life will matter. That's verse 38. Because of time, we got to move on. Evening came. Preparation day, verse 42. We'll wrap it up here. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. In other words, that time, that place, that reality, that life that God rules, where God really reigns, that Jesus is declaring the kingdom of God in his crucifixion and death. Joseph was waiting for that. And so Jesus dies and Joseph of Arimathea, he comes. Notice this. He needed courage. He made a decision. His decision was, I'm going to go to Pilate, and I'm going to ask for the body of Jesus. Stop a second. I look to your eyes. Wait a minute. The power brokers religiously are against Jesus. The political power brokers are against Jesus. The quote-unquote law enforcement is against Everybody's against Jesus. And here is Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, a rich man, an established man, that he's got, he's got to make a decision. Am I going to go the way of the crowds? Am I going to go the way of the, what's popular? Am I going to go the way of what's going on? Or am I going to look at truth? Am I going to see love? Am I going to see Jesus? And you know what? If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to go down here. Here's where I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to go to Pilate. I'm going to say, I want his body. I want to do respect to his body. He just died on the cross for me. I'm expecting his kingdom. Give me his body. 
But wait a minute, Joseph of Arimathea, what about if you lose your influence? What about it? What about if you lose your money? What about it? What about if you lose your, your stature? What about it? It's not what I lose, it's what I've gained. The decisions you make are going to determine what you're going to lose and what you're going to gain. And a lot of decisions right now you make, you'll get the applause of the world, you might get a promotion, you might get money, you might get a lot, you might get two more years of health. Man, you get through this COVID, what's the next one coming down? It tells me here that Joseph of Arimathea, he made a decision. He took courage. It takes courage to make the right decisions. He went into Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled. Is he already dead? Worship team, please come forward. He summoned the centurion. He asked him if he had been dead for some time. Go find out if Jesus has died and if he's been dead for some time. And verse 45, when he found out from the centurion, yes, he's been dead. Then he granted the body to Joseph. I love verse 46. Then Joseph brought fine linen. He took his investments. He took his riches. He took his money and he put it for the work of Jesus. And he took Jesus down. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the king of kings, the Lord of lords? Could you imagine this baby that the angels came to visit, that the wise men from the east came to visit? Could you imagine this baby that caused such a stir in all of the land? Could you imagine this Jesus and now Joseph of Arimathea, he gets the blessing of taking the body of Jesus down how it must have looked. Those of us that have dealt with 45s, you know, with people that are deaf, and you go and you see people's bodies and you see the odor. Here Joseph is seeing the crown of thorns that was placed upon his brow, and he gets maybe to be the one to take it off. And when he has to roll him on his back and he sees the 39 scourges and then that spear that had gone through the side. And then he sees the nail prints in his hands and the nail print in his, in his feet. This is Joseph of Arimathea that he's saying, you know what? I'm going to go down with Jesus. My choice is going to be Jesus. My decision is going to be Jesus. Oh, I pray that someone listens. He is serving Jesus. He is getting into the, what, what do I want to say here? The ministry. He's doing something for Jesus. He made a decision. Now he takes Jesus and he lays him in the tomb. We've been to Israel. The one that I believe very possibly is the tomb. It tells you here that it was hewn out of a rock. It told you in a previous verse that it was a place called the Skull, Caravela, Skull Hill, Golgotha. He rolled the stone against the door of the tomb, verse 47. I love this. And Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jones, they observed what he, where he was laid family this morning as we get ready to worship the Lord and to sing. In a few moments, I have a little surprise for you. But I want you to see this. I want you to get this. Every decision that I make, glad that, that Lewis is here, Elda's here, Dave is here. Every decision we make, every decision you make, will all be added up and the summary of those decisions, they'll come down on one or two sides. 
Mark 15 shows us it'll come on the side where they rejected Jesus. Or like Joseph of Arimathea, it'll come on the side where you received Jesus. Isn't it funny? Joseph of Arimathea was a secret follower of Jesus. You know, in our day and age, we're always very, very quick to judge those people. Ah, he's secret. Ah, he's scared. You know, but it's funny in life that sometimes those that are very upfront, they all left Jesus. <laughs> Especially Peter, the one that said, man, if I have to die with you, Jesus, I'm down with you. He left Jesus. And now this secret man that had a heart for Jesus, this man that evaluated and he thought and he used his brain and he used his heart and he used his life. This man, when everybody is running away from Jesus because it's not popular, it's not advantageous, it's not, it's risky. Did I tell you this? Someone sent me something yesterday where in Oregon they burned Bibles in Portland. They, they were bringing the Bibles to burn them. In your nation, this is happening. You may not realize what's going down, but we're coming into a new era. And this morning, what a joy that you've been able to see in Mark 15 that there's times where maybe nobody will stand with Jesus. But Joseph of Arimathea said, my resources, my influence, my life, I want his body. And I'm going to give him a decent burial. Because I know about the blind that he healed. I know about the deaf that he was able to enable them to hear. I know about the lame and the paralytic that he caused to walk. And now everybody's left him, but I'm going to stand with him. He made a decision. Throughout eternity, it starts with the religious leaders. It goes with Pilate. And then you have Joseph of Arimathea. And this morning... You will make a decision, even if you don't want to, what side you're going to stand on. Father, we pray this morning that in the next minutes together, you would help our heart, our mind. You will help our lives to lock in, to examine and evaluate. What kind of people do we want to be in the days that we are living? And Lord, my prayer is, would you help my family here? Would you help me, Lord, that whenever our time comes, our mission, Lord, that we would make a decision to receive Jesus. And stand for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Those that agreed said, amen. We're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to ask you not to move. I have a, a, a little uh, surprise for you. So let's worship the Lord. We're going to pray and then we'll continue. Jesus, I have decided. 
God, again, we pray this morning for everyone that's here, everyone that's watching through um, computer. Um, Lord, we pray for the church, the body of Christ. We pray today for those that, that love God, uh, that, Lord, you will be doing a work in the hearts of your people to truly be open to the needed work of your Holy Spirit in these times that we live in. We pray that if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that has never surrendered their heart to you and said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness of my sins. And today I want Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. If there's anyone here, Lord, anybody listening through their device that has never done that, that they would do that now. They would invite Jesus to be their Savior. And they would receive that new life, abundant life that you give to those that want to make the decision to receive you. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to borrow this mic a moment because I don't think we could get a mic faster. And hopefully, um, can I borrow this mic or can you? Okay. And um, I, got a, I got a notification not too long ago of someone that um, 
I know I've had the privilege of, um, thank you, well done. I've had the privilege of um, breaking bread with, with him, with his wife. I've had the, 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 the privilege and the honor of being called out when his mom was very sick in the hospital and got the opportunity to pray and got the opportunity to witness God do a miracle where, um, um, thank you, help us out here, um, where um, God added, you know, days to the life of his mom. And um, the invitation was that he wanted to come here and, and to address the family at Calvary, Miami. And I got to be very transparent that for me, it was very difficult because I've never done that. As a church, we've tried to keep the focus that Sunday morning, Jesus, God is, he's the main thing. But as I prayed with it, as I shared with some of the pastors, I realized that we are in a very, very delicate time. And so, again, in conversation, through text message, through email, it was good to see that um, the communication to me was that he was coming today as a dad, as a husband, as a brother, as a son. He is an elected official. But he wanted just to share his heart with you uh, so that we would know him better. And also I want to pray with him. I'm going to ask in a few moments the pastors would come up and pray. First Timothy chapter 2 tells us that we are supposed to pray for kings, for people that are in authority. And so my prayer was that we would open this opportunity. Uh, so if anything, my prayer is that there's an elected official here in town that knows that there's a church here that's going to pray for him, going to pray for his wife, going to pray for his family. And so having said that, I want to invite Stephen Bobo to please come forward. You could give him a Miami welcome, make him feel welcome. Sir, how are you? Good seeing you. Thank you, sir. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning to all of you. Good morning. And uh, I want to thank you, Pastor Raz, uh, not just for the opportunity to come and speak to all of you, and I promise you I will be brief. Um, but uh, your your words to my family in, in very you. difficult moments will never ever be forgotten. And I uh, I, I don't want to come here today and speak terms of elections and, and, and uh, campaigns, you've seen enough ads, good and bad, uh, to fill your lifetime. But I do want to speak to you about something that I think is extremely important, and it speaks to the end of your sermon today, which is our country uh, has turned away from God progressively now for the last 10, 15 years. So it should not be a surprise to any one of us when we see the level of disrespect that's going on in our streets, when you see literally in Portland a group of folks burning a Bible by bolts in front of a federal building. These things don't happen overnight. This is the natural product of when we remove government uh, 
tried it many times. All of you have heard this. We've been told this since we were little kids, that there is separation of, of state and government, right? But I would tell you, in all honesty, that the government needs a massive intervention right now. Yeah. And that intervention can only be done by us. Extremely important, and we 
No, no apology needed. If you stand here, your wife next to you, the family come, we would just want to pray for them. Lord, as, um, as your servants, uh, pastors in this church, we believe you and we believe your word. And uh, Lord, we thank you for elected officials that want to serve you, want to serve the community. Uh, and so, Lord, we, we believe that you are in this this morning, that is part of your design, that as we biblically uh, gently put our, our hands on, on your servants uh, back, Lord, that you would be the one to open doors, continue to open doors for him, for his wife, for his family, that you would be the guard, you would be the strong tower, you would be that hedge of protection, Lord, uh, upon the Bobo family. And uh, Lord, you know the final result of who will be the next mayor of Miami-Dade County. We pray that it would be a man that truly fears you and he's willing to take a stand and he's willing to go forward when there could be some many other things that would maybe be more convenient where maybe power brokers would offer, this is not your turn, but God, I'm thankful for someone that would want to hear in his heart, what is it that you want, God? So we pray for Esteban Bobo. We pray that you would give him wisdom beyond his years. We pray that you would give him the ability to make decisions that maybe may not be popular, but in heaven they will be recognized and applauded. And your word says that if God is for you, who can be against you? So, Lord, we entrust him to you, his wife, his family, and we thank you for the privilege that today he can be here seeking prayer, seeking to communicate with the family of God here in Calvary Chapel, Miami. My final prayer, Lord, is that they would know that there's people here that we're going to commit to pray to you for them. Thank you, Lord. Be magnified and glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you again. Thank you for coming. So I, I really... Thank you. You know, I'm, as you know, I'm 66 years old, and, you know, you get, you get used to certain things. And uh, one of the things I pray that I can model for you that even in my aging, that I would still be open to God and to what God wants to do. And so, again, I repeat, uh, there's been many times that there's different people that have approached me that they want to come here. And my response has, has been, we, we love you, you're welcome, but... Uh, the platform, it's, it's for the Word of God. But this time around, I really saw and think and believe that God is doing something that he started weaving a long time ago. And I want to just address anyone that would say, well, you know, Stephen Bobo is not perfect. I'm not perfect. The only perfect one is Jesus. If anyone would say, well, this or that, listen, this morning, I am thankful that I believe that when I stand before God, I can say to God, listen, I prayed, I sought you, 
And I believe that in the times that we are living, the flock, the body, you need to hear and you need to make a decision and you need to be led by the Lord. But our decisions will have consequences. And uh, I am thankful that, uh, you know, Stephen Bobo's desire was to come before you and share his heart. I know a lot of people that, well, I know some people that run for office and they don't want to be in church today. They might want to be some other place. So what a privilege again to the Bobo family. Thank you for coming. They'll be here at the 11 o'clock service. And um, as we dismiss, know that there's pastors up front here to pray with you if anybody needs prayer. We are here to pray for you. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for once again having grace and mercy on Miami-Dade County. Reference Isaiah, the tropical storm. That could have been so much worse. Lord, you've been so kind to this county. You've been so good to uh, this community. And we do pray, Lord, that there will be a return back to you, to your word, to that fear of the Lord that brings respect among people and that brings the ability to distinguish between what is true and what is false. Lord, we need you so much. I pray that people here today would get involved in voting, that, Lord, they would take a stand for you. We do pray again for the results of the election, for your protection, your covering, your mercy. Bless the people that are here this morning, Lord, as they drive away. May they sense your joy, your mercy, your grace, and your acceptance when we surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Those that agreed said amen. amen. God bless you. Go with the Lord. You are dismissed. One, two.
Good, or, good morning, family, and welcome to Calvary Chapel, Miami. We invite you to stand and let's worship our Lord this morning. Amen. Before that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you that you're, you are a faithful God.